Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mess Hall Podcast. This is episode 7. This week's guest is Ali Hassan. You know, we had a great chat while you went to Banff. I was talking to him there. You know, it was a great day. If you like the podcast, make sure you give us a 5-star review on iTunes. That'd be great. Um, go on to Facebook, follow us there, follow us on Twitter at the Mess Hall Pod. So, Ellie, thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's my pleasure. Podcast. So, my pleasure, man. Yeah, so I like to just talk to people about food, and especially comedians. Um, have a love for comedy, stand-up comedy, and and food. So, I'm really liking that you're on the show. Um, you used to be a chef. So, you want to tell me a little bit about that? Like, yeah, I mean, I was always... Uh... A bit of a fatty and a, a bit of a, a food lover and a glutton and uh, I, I really enjoyed food and when I was in my teens my dad had um, uh, angina so it was like a scare he was 50 and you know heart disease already runs on both sides of my family so that could have been a good thing for me but in fact I was pretty disappointed because the family went like really low fat and low salt and low flavor and I was like missing the food that I kind of grew up with, even though I was still with the people I grew up with. They had changed their habits. So then I just started um, getting more interested in cooking for myself. And um, one time I I tell this story sometimes with with great shame, but my mother used to make me sandwiches. So she worked 9 to 5 every day, but she would make me sandwiches the night before, and it was tomato and Kraft singles in white bread. Yeah. And every single time, I don't know how she, she didn't have a problem with this, but the tomato would soak through the bread. Yes. And um, I'd have a soggy sandwich. And I, you know, I had buddies in, in school and high school who were, whose parents, whose mothers would stay at home and make them like six different containers. Here's your chip container. Here's your pickles. Here's your pastrami sandwich. I've never even seen pastrami in my life. So I come home feeling like, pretty disgruntled at least you know at the very least and then one day I just told my mother I was like your sandwiches suck and or I I think I even said your sandwiches taste like shit I think I said something really uh, awful as a parent now I especially feel so awful for saying that but my mother uh, god bless her she can hold a grudge and she was like okay you make your own sandwiches then I was like great I will and then I was like oh this this is I I've made a mistake here. This is bad news. Now I got to get up earlier and make sandwiches. But actually, I started enjoying the challenge. And then I was like the only kid in the tenth grade who had, you know, self-made sandwiches. And it was like a omelet with black olives and boursin cheese. And I, that was my, you know. And I was so I started to enjoy cooking at that level really early on. And then I just. You know, it, it moved into the world of like pasta and chili and stuff that's like easy to 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 start with, and and then you know even to master. And so then when, when I was in college and we'd go to ski ski trips or whatever kind of trips, it was just expected that I would cook. You know, one of my buddies was like, "What would we have done if you didn't cook?" I still don't understand what we would like. None of them. They all lived on residence and had meal plans and stuff okay. like this. So it was just understood I would cook. So we'd pull up to the chalet we'd be staying at, and everyone would be like, okay, Al, what groceries do you need? What's the plan? It was just, you know, I never said, I'm going to cook. There was no volunteering. It was just, obviously, you're going to cook or we'll starve. Yeah. So I just became that guy. And then cooking was definitely a passion. I never saw it as a career at that time. Um, but, but um, you know, it was in my mind. And as I 
as my careers, how do you feel uh, for volume? Is that all right? Yeah. Uh, as I started considering my other career paths and saw how terrible I was as a IT consultant and anything in like the workplace, it, I just wasn't, I just wasn't a strong employee. I just wasn't a good, valuable. And I, I didn't like that about myself. I wanted to be, you know, a contributing member of a team, if not a leader. And I was not, not in the IT field at all. And so then I re revisited it in my late twenties, early thirties. I was like, I want to be a chef. And my parents were both like, don't be a fucking fool. Don't be an (laughs) idiot. We helped pay for your undergrad and your master's degree. And now you're going to be a chef. You know, my dad was like, I co-signed on that $20,000 loan for this IT program so you can become a chef now. You know, I was like, it's the only thing I really enjoy doing. Yeah, and it definitely is a passion. It is a passion. So that's, yeah, I have have friends who uh, regard me with great envy and and maybe even some level of hatred because I have two things that I'm passionate about, you know, comedy and cooking both. And a lot of these guys are like, I I think I'm going to die never having found my passion you're a lucky son of a bitch and i'm like i guess i am you know but but i suck at everything else if it's ever any consolation oh i i feel the same way about stuff like some stuff i'm just horrible at but i can cook yeah and that makes that makes some friends sometimes totally yeah and it's and it's fun too it is and i think it's a it's a very important life skill like i'm i'm trying to impart this upon my, my, my children. Like it's important that you never starve a, eh? but also important that you don't rely on processed food or prepackaged food, uh, for the rest of your life. You know, I have friends who like they get married and the, the woman doesn't cook, the man doesn't cook. And they're just like, what are we going to do? And then it's just eating out and yeah. it's just, that's what they pass down to their kids. It's all eating out and prepared foods and processed foods. And I just don't, I don't know. That's not, that's not the life I would want for myself. You know? No, and I agree with you. Um, my wife got into cooking school. That's where we met. Oh, And awesome. she, she never really wanted a career in cooking, but she was planning later on in life where she wanted to be able to cook for her family. And, and she does now. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a great life skill to have, and I really encourage people even take those small cooking courses you see, like at the community college. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it's, just, it's a life skill, and then also a potential uh, source of revenue. You know, if yeah. you're trying to put yourself through school, and you can say, like, look, this is the experience I have. I, I can I can work the line yeah. in this you know small restaurant or something. I think that's great. I'd be, yeah, I'd be much. I mean. They'll make less money than if they're a waiter or a waitress, my kids, but I'd be happy with them working in a kitchen. It's decent, honest, hard work. You yeah, know? I I assume my son is because he has a love for cooking now. So yeah. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I don't want him to have a career in it maybe, but if he needed it, you know, yeah. it's definitely there for him. Totally. It's the same way I view swimming, you know? It's an important life skill, but hey, if you could be a lifeguard for five years and put yourself through school, that's great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Any skill is a good skill. Yeah. So, how long did you cook for? Um, well, professionally, I guess I, it was a little over a decade. I had a catering company at first. Nice. And, uh, you know, it, just like anything, you try to find out where you fit best. Because at first, I was just like, I just want to cook. That's what I want to do. And I want to make money doing it. Yeah. So, you sort of say yes to everything. 
And then you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I don't want to be responsible for that bride's special day. I'm not doing weddings anymore. This is ridiculous and way too much pressure. And then, you know, there's other events I would do where I was like, oh, this is very unsatisfying. You know, you're, uh, you're cooking in somebody's home on New Year's Eve and everybody's like hugging each other and making out at midnight and you're like, I guess I'll just pack up my knives then. It's like, you know, Uh, you've been there, there, right? So then you're like, oh, okay. So I, you know, I'd move back in with my parents and, and God bless them for supporting me in a time where they were like, our son is lost and this is terrible. At a time where he should be married, getting married and starting his life in their mind. He's still discovering his, his, his life. But I had the luxury of being a little picky and choosy where I could say no to gigs. Not for the first couple of years, but afterwards I was like, no, I, I don't think I'm going to do okay. your event on, uh, you know, New Year's Eve. I don't even like the way you sound on the phone. You're yeah. a little bit bossy on the phone and I, I get a bad vibe. And I think I'll... Uh, I think I'll go with my gut on this one and say no. Yeah, and I felt that way when I did some weddings, like uh, yeah. some catering like you did. And some some weddings, you get a good vibe from the groom. And the, yeah. But some, you just like, I don't know if I want to do this. And you do it, and it turns out to be horrible. And, yeah. But, yeah. Well, you see the way somebody will yell at a waiter because their mustard isn't on the table. I mean, picture that person getting married. It's just too many things going on. You're never going to be happy. And I can't work no. with people who are never going to be happy. No. That's like robbing me of my passion. Exactly. And and I've done weddings for the complete opposite people where they're just so happy with all those, everything. Yeah. That, that makes it worth it. Sure. That, sure. That's I, the magic that happens. I do think I was biting off more than I can chew sometimes, okay. you know? Like, just kind of scrambling for... I didn't have a Rolodex of, like, staff. So I would be like, hey, I know that you've worked in a kitchen. Would you want to do this? I know that you've served. Would you want to be a waiter or waitress at a wedding? And, you know, it wasn't my wheelhouse. I was literally in a place of self-discovery. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that wedding couples you know brides and grooms to be needed to be part of that experiment so it wasn't fair to them either you know as i'm still trying to figure myself out Uh, but i did know that hey i want i want to make the best food if i'm going to eat it then i know that i'm if i'm going to eat it and enjoy it i know that i'm going to be proud of serving it to other people yeah exactly did you work in restaurants and online as well i did and then i uh the most formative experience i had was uh Owning and running with a, with a partner, so co-running, co-owning a, a, a small, um, it like basically the size of this hotel room, you know, uh, I think we were 24 seats, and we were inside a not-for-profit art gallery, okay. uh, with, they had a kitchen at the back, and so, um, you know, a few different restaurants had come out of there, and so we just set up there, and we'd pay this guy, Abraham, who lived above us, rent. Sometimes he'd stomp from up above because we were late night drinking there. We'd have to quietly drink after midnight or Abraham. Uh, it was a funny, strange experience. And I was with a a really comical human being, my friend Nantha, who people who have lived in Montreal for the last 20 years know this man. He is like a, a character and a caricature of himself. Um, 
and he had run various restaurants over the years. And so he and I opened up this Malaysian spot and we called it cash and curry. And so we made, uh, three curries, chicken, um, and masaman curry, which was a vegetable curry. And now I'm forgetting. Yeah. So a green chicken, I think another spicier chicken, red chicken curry and a vegetarian one. Then we'd have two daily specials. We'd have two noodle dishes, lentil soup, samosas. The simplest menu. But I've always believed just do a few things and do them very, very well. Yeah, and I, I think that's that. what we were doing. You don't need that. You don't need the Cheese items. Factory experience. No. 18-page menu and all of it mediocre. Yeah, exactly. I don't see value in that. I love the name of that, Cash and Cash and Curry, yeah, yeah, we yeah. were we were proud of that one. Yeah. Uh, we were like, do we want the name of our place to be a pun? And I had started doing stand-up comedy, and Nanta is a naturally hilarious human being. And I was like, hey, it fits. It fits who we are, and that's exactly, we're not trying to take ourselves too seriously. Nice. So it was good, it was good. That was a year and a half almost, and uh, yeah, really, really great. I think I learned better under Nanta's... Um, you know, tutelage, mentorship, whatever you want to say, even though we were partners, this guy knew how to, how to work a walk. This guy knew how to make work very fast. And he taught me more about, um, working laterally or instead of linearly, meaning, you know, you see people who don't cook, you see them, uh, you know, I mean, this might be exaggerated, but they turn on the water they put the pot underneath, they wait for the water to fill the pot, and they put the pot on the stove, then they sort of wait for that to heat up. You, you could have done 10 things during all that time to save your... I mean, the food could have literally been ready, uh, almost 90% ready during yeah. the time that you're just kind of waiting, but it's that linear way of thinking, first I'll do this, then I'll do this, then I'll do this. So I was definitely not like that. I'd already had restaurant experience, but this man, this man knew how to... You know, yeah, well, uh, yeah, just incredible mental organization in his mind. I, I worked in a small diner, and that's where I really learned my speed. That's that, it. That when you're thinking, because you have to do 10, 20 things at once. Yeah, you got orders just flying at you. Yeah, it was. I I kind of miss it. This is the thing. So you were asking me, do I miss cooking uh, earlier? And uh, there's no reason I should be a chef anymore. Like the, on paper, there is no reason. If people are willing to pay me, let's say, you know, I get a call from, I live in, in, in Toronto. If I get a call from some company in Mississauga, which is a 30-minute drive or less mm-hmm. uh, to do some event, uh, you know, could you tell jokes for 20 minutes? We have a budget of 2500 bucks. If that is my reality, and, and, and often it is, um, why would I... You know how hard you have to work for 2500 bucks in a catering environment? Yeah. That's three days' work, shopping and prep and delivery and setup and cleanup. Back-breaking work for 2500 yeah. Or I can drive 25 minutes, yeah. tell some jokes to some people. Now, that all that said, you know, you do a lot of, uh, in comedy, you know, there's years of horrible open mics and grinding. And it is a lot of work as well, mm-hmm. but... It's like catering never stops being back-breaking work. Yeah. But when I see, because I'll do some events where I'm the host of a food event, and I see the chefs afterwards sitting down, having a cigarette or having a beer, I'm like, yeah, 
Nobody knows what that smoke and that beer tastes like yeah, after 12 hours on your feet. Yeah, sitting Nobody on knows. a milk crate, just yeah. talking to a couple other people, having that beer. Yeah. Yep. Nobody knows what that feels like if they haven't done it. Exactly. And I, I missed that. For me, you know, I, I remember I used to work at this, uh, DeFasco was this uh, big steel company in Hamilton, DeFasco and Stelco. And I was doing my master's in Hamilton. So one of my work terms was at, uh, at DeFasco. And I worked in the purchasing department. So I was like, oh, I'm part of Steeltown, Hamilton, Steeltown, part of Steel. And one of the women I worked with, she says, actually, my husband works in the mines. And uh, she goes, those people, they don't even view what we do as real work. Yeah. I'm like, why? We're helping to support this. She goes, no. She goes, they do... 12 hour, 10 to 12 hour shifts. Sometimes they never see the light of day. They're hundreds of feet underground. They're working in extreme temperatures. She goes, I, my husband and I are split up now because he would end his shift at six and him and eight guys would come home with a, with a two, four at seven in the morning, yeah. ready to unwind after their shift. And I'm leaving the work. And she goes, after a while, you can't live with somebody like that. Yeah. So she goes, what they consider real work and what we do, they wouldn't consider this real work. And I felt like as a chef, that it kind of becomes like that. You see that in a chef's eye sometimes, yeah. that resentment of other people. They're like, you don't know what I'm going through. Exactly. You know? and, and it's weird that I miss that, but sometimes I miss that. Yeah, and I, my wife will laugh and ask me if I miss it. I miss the rush of the line, the Friday night, Saturday yeah. night. Just go, 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 go. You know, the whole eight hours... And then you sit down at the end of the night, have some beers with everybody, and you know, you just do it again the next night. That's, yeah. Sometimes I miss it, but then, you know, I'm playing with my son on the weekend instead of having that Monday afternoon off. And yeah. You got to consider the family life. Yeah, of course. You know, it's, it's an interesting take on it. It's, mm -hmm. So I miss the work, but I don't miss the lifestyle, yeah. I guess. Is oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. Saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So did cooking lead you into comedy or is it I, something you always wanted to do? I got into cooking first yeah. and then I got into comedy to help my so I, my goal was to get on television with a cooking show. Okay. That was, I, you know, I'd watch cooking shows and I'd be like, man, I can do a better job than this. I can cook food that's tastier than that and I can be more entertaining than this person as I'm doing it. You know, yeah. that was the era of the, what we now disparagingly refer to as the dump and stir shows. Yeah. Where somebody like, now you add the salt. Now you add the thyme. Here's how you remove the thyme from its stem. So I was like, man, I, come on. We can, I can make this sing. I could do this. And I was like, I know I can do this. Very, very naive of me to think that. Because, you know, that also takes a lot of time mm -hmm. to, to, to master to be in front of a camera and speaking as though you have no care in the world other than the audience, but you've actually got three things going on around you and you're thinking about them. Is the garlic that I am, uh, that I have in this pan, is it burning? Is the loaf, you know, in the oven, is it on the right temperature? What do I have to start doing next? Where am I? You know, you got, you're, it's a juggling act and you have to act like you're not juggling at all. Yeah. That takes some mastery. But I was very naive to think, I could do this. Um, I couldn't at the time. I now still believe I could. But it's anyway, that, that, that road seems to have gone, you know, 
I'm going to say dried up. You know, I still, there's every year, there's production companies that reach out to me with ideas for shows. But again, I'm in a place where, you know, I'm in my 40s. I have very, you know, like some of these guys are like, ah, we, we got a show called Cooking in Your Underwear. Would you? I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> I'm not desperate enough to be on, t- I don't want that. You know, yeah. I, one of the shows was, um, Biggest, baddest food, something like that. So it's like uh, uh, world's biggest hamburger. And you'll be there in that field where these these guys got together. You'll be hosting that show. And I was like, this is not me anymore. I don't need 17 cows to die so we can set a record. That's not what I'm into anymore. You know what I mean? I just don't want it. As desperately, and these guys are all, it's like a ratings grab. It's got the, the craziest, the wildest, this and that. And I'm like, ah, get somebody else. I think those shows are already done. I think they're they're meeting. Their, yeah, so this conversation I'm having with you now, this is from things that were over the years. I would oh, get these yeah. phone calls, you know, for yeah. like these, just like desperate pleas for attention that are disguised in a cooking show. Yeah. But, um... Your original question was, uh, yeah, so I wanted to be on television. Yeah. And to serve that, I thought, what if I start doing stand-up comedy? Okay. Because on stage, I can sort of start building my confidence, developing a voice, treating the audience like they're a studio audience, acting like how I would maybe on camera, start developing material about food. Mm -hmm. So comedy was strictly... To serve the goals I had in food. Food was everything. Yeah. And I just fell in love with comedy immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, that's just that rush, that adrenaline. My first set, you know, it was like I prepared, it was like five and a half minutes and I did it in three and a half, just barreled through and there was laughter and I was trampling over the laughter and it was a great set. And I, uh, my knees almost buckled as I got off stage. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe you did that, you know? Second set was great, and the third set was death on stage. Just bombed so bad. And because I'd done so well, this is just a message to all comedians to just chill the fuck out a little bit, you know? Like, some guys have two good sets, and then they're already like, comedian Andrew Jones. They're already like, let's, you know... Give yourself some time. Let Where, it breathe. Where's, where's my Netflix special? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, the same thing happens in food where like there's kids now like, I want to be a celebrity chef. One step at a time. But yeah. that's about one one thousandth of the chefs out there get a little bit of TV play. That's not how it works. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I really liked an article years and years ago when I lived in Halifax and it was from uh, Michael Smith. Yeah. And... He said, and, I, and I'm going to misquote it, but it was along the lines of everybody always asks, how can I be a celebrity chef? Yeah. Nobody ever asks, how can I sling Caesar salad for eight hours? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, and it meant a lot to me because, you know. And one has to come before the other. Yeah. I think it You're happens. not going to go into celebrity chef them being a nothing. Even like the Guy Fieri's of the world, you know, even like the corniest guys out there, they put in those hours they probably put in those 10,000 hours yeah exactly yeah. and it's it's a lot of work and it's some days it's rewarding some days it's not but mm-hmm. it's, you know always get back into it yeah yeah so do you find being a cook influences what you cook now for your family uh it influences it it, it influences things in terms of the sentiment 
I want the food to be presentable. I want the food to be tasty. But when I was a chef, uh, spice, we were like spice driven, especially in that Malaysian restaurant. I was always trying to match, you know, beers and wines that would pair well with spicy food and uh, food from, you know, I'm not never, you know, Scandinavian food, for example, no interest to me. Uh, whereas stuff from, you know, Vietnam, Korea, these, these kind of places that do use different spice pastes and fresh spices, that was always more interesting. The kids I have are just wusses, you know what I mean? Like there's one, the two-year-old can still handle it, but a lot of that has to do with him just wanting to do what his father is doing. Okay. And partly he's a glutton as well, so he's just like, can I have some of that? Can I have that? Can I try that? So then I'm like, it's spicy. And he's like, okay. And so you watch my six-year-old and my two-year-old, he's three now, but the six-year-old and the three-year-old, the six-year-old goes, this is spicy. And that's a bad thing. And the three-year-old goes, this is spicy. And it's a great thing. The yeah. two people having the exact same reaction. And my daughters will, they'll struggle through it. I give them full credit, but they're not enjoying themselves. No. No. They're See, not enjoying My it. son loves the spiciness. Yeah. Ooh, he, we get him hot sauce for Christmas. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Come on, what so, a godsend. Yeah. That's great. Like, most of his Christmas gifts from us, like, you know, grandparents would buy the toys and the socks and whatever. Yeah. We'd buy him a box of different foods and hot sauces are in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, we got them all those and, you know, whatever we find unique. And right, 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 right. Even the small things like wagon wheel pasta, we'll put that in there because yeah. he loves the shape. So, yeah. It's, it's amazing what kids will like and not yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You know, spice is a interesting thing. Yeah. People yeah. love it or hate it. Um, I remember, you know, I, I, I no longer watch the Food Network or any food shows really. Maybe Mind of a Chef I'll watch. You know, I've gone to a different, sort of different level of interest. But when I used to watch cooking shows, all it would be was frustrating because I'd be like, I know I can add more depth and flavor no pun intended but i can i can add more to this network or this channel or this show yeah. without sounding and i know that i was naive at the beginning it takes a lot of practice and all that but having had the practice having had the stage time having developed my personality and my confidence you now you're like i can confidently say what i can do and i had a you know i have bland is boring is this youtube page that i have um, I stopped auditioning for food roles because I did, you know, it's like about 30 webisodes okay. that my friend and I filmed. It's just like me being myself, goofing around, but still making a great dish at the end of it. And short, three to five minutes, we wanted it to be for people, you know, on the web. No attention span, just yeah. you can still watch something quickly here. And, um, yeah, people would see that, and they didn't need me to come in for preliminary auditions anymore. They'd be like, okay, we see who this guy is, we see his personality, and uh, we don't have to waste his time. And that, that was the idea, part of the yeah. idea behind Bland is Boring. Like, you know who I am now, so don't you don't have to and you come in and maybe read some stuff. You don't, I don't need to do that. I, I like those quick shows on YouTube. And yeah. I, I don't have cable, so I don't watch the Food Network or anything, but I'll watch my food shows that I watch are on YouTube, and it's usually like... Where they go to a restaurant and they'll explain what's going on behind the scenes. So it's yeah. like that cooking, like throwing and stir kind yeah, of yeah, things yeah. like you're talking about. And I really like it. I've watched a lot of barbecue shows lately. Yeah. Um, especially Austin barbecue. Just enjoy it. It's 
and they're quick, like five, ten minutes. So yeah, my attention span doesn't have to go too far. Well, that's it. I think YouTube fits. We don't have to have a whole show with a character arc and what are the stakes and all that. Yeah. Something short that I can learn from and be inspired by, great, you know? Yeah. The one show I, I was going to tell you that, that uh, I, I remember my wife and I were sitting together and uh, it was called Heat Seekers. Roger Mooking and Aaron Sanchez both go to these restaurants and eat like the hottest things on oh. the menu. So these guys are eating these ghost pepper wings or something like that. They're eating something and... Uh, Things are getting like really like they're starting to cry and sweat. The owner brings them both a glass of milk and it's like, who's going to say mercy first? <laughs> and it was amazing because that's what I was doing with my friend. I do that much less so now, but I, it was always like that. Find the spiciest thing and challenge yourself. I remember my wife putting her hand on my knee and going, are you okay? Because she saw that I was like, I wish this was me. I wish this was, I was one of these guys because oh, okay. this is the show I would love because yeah. there's humor because there's so much laughing at themselves. You can't, you're sweating and your nose is running. You can't take yourself too seriously. And you came into this as a competition and you know you've made a horrible mistake. And these guys, that's what, you know, one of them was yelling, I've made a mistake. We shouldn't be doing this. Um, so it was just great entertainment. And I was like, no, this is an entertaining show that I wish I was part yeah, of. Yeah, one of my favorite shows is uh, Hot Ones. It's on YouTube. And, um, Get the host's name, but he interviews people as they eat hot wings. Yeah, and they he doesn't eat them though. Oh yeah, he does. He does too. Okay, and he gets and they progressively get hotter. And, yeah, you know, they just you see the people just sweating. Yeah, and, you know, I, I saw one. Yeah, don't know if you know who Joey Diaz is. Sure, of course, Coco. I, yeah, I, I thought he was going to die. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was sweating and yes, yeah, it was. It's a it's a cool show. Like, just an interesting take and not the same sit down like we're yeah. doing right here but it's just like hot wings i love i love wings so. yeah 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 i spent uh I, sp I probably spend too much of my life inside baskets of wings in fact i'm i'm trying to wean off a little bit yeah and then go back again and appreciate them again i think i think i used to just be like hey if there's wings on the menu i'm ordering them okay. and now i'm a little bit more like What's this? Oh, they just breaded wings. I can pass on that. Okay. But if like I go to a place, um, Wingporium is this place we go to. So they have, um, you know, they'll they'll deep fry. They'll toss it in the spice and then they'll put it on the grill for okay. a minute for another dollar. So I'm like, all right, there's some value added here. Yeah. Uh, there's another place I go to in Toronto that the guy makes all the sauces himself. Oh, that'd be good. Which I like. You know, the idea of like just these. Just pulling a sauce off a jar, yeah. unscrewing the cap, and it's just a processed sauce. High fructose corn syrup is the first ingredient in all of these sauces. Yeah. You know, after a while, you're like, I, I think I'm killing myself on a couple of different levels. I, I know I'm doing that with the fat of the chicken, but I'm okay with that. But to have all the ingredients being like synthetic ingredients, I, you know, it's it's not as exciting anymore. If somebody's making their own sauces, I get really pumped. I, I'd be definitely down for that. Too. Yeah. What, what's your go-to wing flavor? Um, I like very hot with a sweetness. Nice. So if there's scotch bonnet in there, I really like that. Um, there's like this one called scorpion kiss, which is like this basically suicide wings with some honey in them. Nice. That's nice. the kiss part of the scorpion. Yeah. I enjoy that. So like a little heat with sweet, a lot of heat with a little sweet. I think I really enjoy. Okay. Um, if somebody's making their own jerk, I like jerk wings. Yeah. Uh, you're not a processed jerk wing thing. 
And uh, yeah, where do you stand on that? I feel like I feel like I'm on the spot, and as soon as we end, I'll be like, "Oh no!" And these five flavors, obviously. No, I, I don't know if it's a flavor thing, almost, but like the exact flavor, like it has to be French hot sauce or honey garlic. I think you're right. Like I like maybe not as hot as you, but I like the heat with some sweet, like um, honey on the wings. It's mm-hmm. really good. My my wife made some chicken last week, and it was like. Uh, honey sriracha. Yeah. So it was just like chicken breast, and she baked it, and then took it out, tossed it in the sauce, and then rebaked it again. Yeah, yeah. Sriracha's having its moment right now. It's yeah. showing up everywhere. Yeah, she used sriracha powder, so it was. And I think there may have been some yogurt in there. I'm not sure. May have been some. May. Well, sorry. Well, oh, may have been some yogurt. Yogurt. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just yeah, yeah. Help coat it. Yeah. But. I wasn't home when she made it. I just got home when it was finished. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Walk in the door and wings already? That's going to keep a marriage going. Yeah, well, I'm excited for wings. <laughs> it was chicken breast, but it's still like yeah, yeah, yeah. that flavor, like the hot and the sweet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And homemade jerk is good. Scotch bonnets in there. And mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you on that. And what I do is I like to uh, put my wings on. I'll make a homemade barbecue sauce. Yeah. And then put the wings on. I'll toss the wings in a little bit of flour, put them on the barbecue, brush them, flip them, brush them. It'll probably take about 20 minutes. And just, you're brushing them with your sauce? Or yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, and just continuously. And then when you have them, they're all sticky. And yeah. Need napkins. And sure. Korean wings is another, you know, it, there's many varieties, but typically there's sesame. And typically there's some sweetness like honey. Yeah. And then some, some hot heat. And then, like, usually, you know, green onion and scallions chopped on yeah. them. I like that, too. I like that combination. Yeah, I like that, too. Um, I, I like to get away from just the traditional hot, hot sauce. Wings. Or, yeah, yeah. Or just Well, that's it. I think, I think I've turned a corner on that. I'm like, nobody is making a hot wing that I haven't tried already. Yeah. There's a whole world of flavors out there. Let me see what else is out exactly. there. It's time, to, it's time to move on and discover something new here. Uh, and I won't say no to... A hot wing. No, but, we're not, a, we're not but, monsters here, yeah, Avery, exactly. obviously. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm in the same mindset as you. I, I want a different flavor. Yeah. I want a different sauce. I, and I want it to be good. I yeah. just don't. But if anybody's making their own homemade sauce, yeah, it's not going to be a crappy wing. It's going to be a good wing. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that. So. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that's all of our time. What? That's it? Okay. Yeah, all right. So we could have done a show just on wings, I we think. We could have. I <laughs> I get excited for wings. So. I know. Well, I can see both of us are like, dang, probably going to have to have wings tonight. We've talked ourselves into it. Yes. We've marketed it to ourselves. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Thanks you bet. Thank you.